Okay, you turn with me in your Bibles, please, uh, to the book of Luke, chapter 22. Chapter 22. I'm going to speak to you tonight uh, on what I call those things that attend the great program of God, and specifically about the many people uh, which we meet as we go through the Christian life, uh, who are there for those things that attend the program of God, but they are not actually there for the program itself. They are there for the things that attend the program, the things that are peripheral to the program, but who are not there for the program itself. I call them attendants to the program. And as a child, uh, growing up in a Christian home around churches, uh, the attendance to the program caused me no little confusion. I sort of had the world sorted out of my mind to the people of God and people involved in Christian-y type things. Uh, and then those, those in my mind were the good guys. And then I had the, everybody else who was, were the bad people. And as I started to look at those around me, if I, as I started to read the history books, uh, it, just, it just didn't quite work out the way that I was hoping, uh, the way that I thought it should go. Uh, and what I didn't understand at the time then that I'm coming to understand now is that there is the great program of God going forward, but there are many people who are interested in that program not necessarily because they're interested in the great program, but there are things that come along with the great program, and they are very much interested in that. In that. So let's, uh, let, me, let me just pray briefly. Let's have a look at the scriptures. Let's define that program. We'll look at some examples, and we'll be done tonight. So our Lord and our God, dear Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, this is, this is your house, uh, your word, your people. And it's to your spirit that we look to, Lord, to work a good fruit in us from your word tonight. So please, take... Uh, what we have here. Uh, use it in our lives, Lord. Uh, make us effective servants for you. And for your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. And there's nothing covert in the Bible about the main program that God is operating in this New Testament age. You do not require a doctorate or any advanced level of study to understand the main thrust of God's program. In 1 Timothy 1.15, the Apostle Paul says, this is a faithful saying. In other words, this is good. He says, and worthy of all acceptation. It's good, and you should accept it. What is it? That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And that is God's central program that he is operating at the moment, the salvation of sinners through Jesus Christ. In Romans 15, verse 6, he says this, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What do sinners do uh, once they are saved by Jesus Christ? Well, they begin to glorify God. They begin to worship. In 1 Timothy 4.8, uh, he says this, But godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. He summarizes it again. So between getting saved, worshiping God, and living a life of righteousness, you've sort of run out of things to do in the Christian life. It's all covered. There's nothing else extra to that. That is the main program that God is operating right now, the salvation of men and women, and that they would come and worship Him and do those works which He would have them do through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, evangelism, it brings glory to God. Worship brings glory to God, and righteous works bring glory to God, and there is nothing left in the Christian life besides these things. That is the primary program of God, and it is summed up in the person and the work of the man, Jesus Christ. That's the meaning of life, the universe, and everything is Jesus Christ. Now, just because that happens to be the main program of God, that doesn't mean that that is the main reason every person you meet who has something to do with God is actually there, not by a long shot. 
Uh, There are other things that are peripheral to that program. They may even be good things, but there are people that are drawn to those peripheral things, and you will find them around Christianity, around Christendom, uh, all over the place. Uh, And let's look in the Scriptures for our first example this evening. Uh, Read Luke chapter 22, verse 30. And if you're wondering, I wonder where Luke 22 sort of fits into the whole thing of Jesus. Well, this is the night before he's about to be betrayed and be executed. Uh, This is what we call where the Lord's Supper was instituted. Uh, And right in the middle of all this, and look down there in verse 24. He says, and there was also a great strife, uh, strife among them. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors, but ye shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, as he that doth serve, for whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me. And in verse 30 it says that ye may eat and drink at the table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now the disciples were really not clear on a lot of things that Jesus tried to tell them. But one thing that they were crystal clear on, that they had no doubt about and that they were particularly interested in is the fact that there were going to be twelve thrones and they were going to be sitting upon them. That thing which attended God's main program, which was going to come about, and I should say is going to come about. One day you're going to see the Apostle Peter, and he is going to be in Israel, and he is going to be on a throne. You're going to get to see that. But that is not God's main program, the coronation and the elevation of the Apostles. Uh, Yet this was, for the disciples at the time, a consuming passion. Uh, even, even, um, Even after Jesus has rebuked them for this before... Uh, I didn't actually realize, but he'd rebuked them earlier in the book of Luke. So this is the second time round that this, that this was happening. Uh, it was a major focus for them. In Luke chapter 9, who should be the greatest Lord? Jesus has already explained this to them uh, with an object lesson. Luke chapter 22, right at the end, and it's still going on. In Matthew chapter 20, the mother of James and John comes and says, Hey, hey who, who's left and who's right? What about my boys? Can we, can we have them there? Uh, It it was still still happening then. In fact, at one stage, uh, Jesus was walking uh, with the the apostles and they were having a debate about what was going on and when they got to to the end, Jesus said to them, what were you you talking about along the way? Uh, And it actually says that he asked them that repeatedly and repeatedly they refused to answer him but it was the same old debate, who is going to be greatest? I mean, there's 12 thrones but... Wouldn't you rather have some, like a great tribe like Judah than some lousy half-tribe like Manasseh? And, you know, I've, I've cast out a lot of demons. This guy, yeah, you know, surely I would be at least above him. Uh, and this, we, we laugh, but this was a major focus for them. This was something that attended the main program of God but became a fixation for them. And I believe part of the reasons that the disciples didn't discern that main program while Christ was alive was because they were fixated upon something that attended the main program but it wasn't the main program. That's why when Jesus said, I'm going to die, I'm going to be killed, Peter's like, come over here, Lord. No, that is not going to happen because he was asphyxiated on something else, which is, you know, you've got to bring in the kingdom so then I, I, can, get, I can get my throne. That was his focus, something that attended, but was not the main program. And Jesus finally shattered this for those men when he rose from the dead. He found them on the road to Emmaus and they were utterly bewildered and they didn't recognize him and he talked to them. 
And they said this, they said, but we trusted, speaking of Jesus, they said to this guy who they didn't know, who it seemed like he didn't know that Jesus had been executed, they said to him, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Still, they just couldn't believe that that kingdom that they thought was coming wasn't, wasn't coming. And then Jesus responds to them and he says, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He brings them back to the main program. And we know from the rest of the scriptures, we know from church history that they got it in the end. It was not about them. It was not about who would be the greatest. It was about emulating Christ, going down, bringing men and women to trust Jesus, to worship the Lord and to live lives of righteousness. They got the main program. But there are many today who are doing exactly what those disciples were. They have found something within Christianity that does appeal, and it is upon that that they fixate, and that is why they're here. So let me take you through some examples of those who attend the main program but are not there for the main program. The first example I would use is myself as a young man. Uh, When I came to uh, um, Brisbane, I became very interested in conservative politics Uh, and, you know, the young liberals and that, that sort of thing. Uh, and Christianity offers many things that appeal to the young conservative and to the old conservative. You have family stability brought about by biblical teaching. Uh, you have respect for authority, which is a fantastic thing you can find in the scriptures. You have long-stranding tradition. Uh, yet I still found myself getting quite frustrated with the Bible because it would give support for some of my ideas, but it wouldn't quite go the whole way with the program that I thought was good. I mean, it it would be great if it just went another step further. That was my frustration with the Scriptures. Uh, It had some good things to say about economics. You know, thou shalt not steal. If the government's stealing for you, it's still stealing. Amen. You know, I'm in favour of that. Uh, But it wouldn't come all the way with me and my free market ideas. It just... I couldn't find killer verses for it. It had a lot to say about the potential for governments to do evil, but it just wouldn't go all the way with my libertarian ideas about small government democracy. It's just not there. Why a monarchy, Lord? Why a monarchy? I wasn't disinterested. I wasn't hostile towards Christianity. There were bits that I was very interested in, but I was not there for the main program of Christ. I was there for things that attended the main program. You could say I was there for the fruits of the main program, family stability, those sorts of things but I wasn't there for God's main program. And and this dogs people on the political left side of things as much as on the political right. I've read people just utterly bewildered about why Jesus didn't spend more time uh, abolishing slavery in the Roman Empire. Why did he feed people, but then he stopped that little program there of welfare that he was was using? It, it, It doesn't work for them. And the reason it doesn't work for them is because the Bible wasn't written to support 21st century political sides. Uh... The things the, the Bible is here to present God's main program to us. Um, but it's not just politics where you'll find this, where you'll find people interested in certain aspects of Christianity, uh, but not all of it. Uh, some people uh, want relationship help that attends the main program. Uh, I remember there was a single man that came to, to this church once, uh, and I remember he sat down, he ate a meal with Danny and I over in, that, in the green room, which is not green, uh, and... And I remember him saying to, to, to Danny, saying just how he was upset with God. He was angry. And we sort of asked him, you know, why is that? And he said, well, look, I've generally been a good bloke. I've lived a, a good life my whole life, and, but I haven't got a wife. God hasn't given me a wife. I've sort of done my end of the bargain, and he hasn't come to the table with a wife for me. And I just, I'm, just, I'm upset with that. And I remember Danny trying to explain to him and say, look, 
It could be that the Lord has prevented you from getting a wife to bring you to himself so that you'd come, so that you'd get saved. And one day this could actually be a really good thing for you, that you didn't have that, so you found the Lord. Uh, and it, he wasn't super interested in that. But I said to him, look, once, you realize once you do get saved, like in the Bible it explains how to get a wife, like it says how you can possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. It does explain how that goes about. And I just remember the way his eyes lit up when I said that. Like, really, that's in there. And I'm like, yeah, but you need the main thing first. But yes, it does. It will help towards that. You know, I got saved and I was married a year later. Uh, and there are things that appeal to the Christian woman. Uh, and if you're going hard after the Lord serving in church, you've sort of increased the odds there, you know. Uh, but, but was really trying to get back. I, I've, just, I've just never seen anybody's eyes light up like that before. The next week he came along. Ah, and, and he was there for a Sunday night service, and there was, a, there, was a, there was a chap preaching, and it should have been a half an hour sermon, but he, he blew it by taking it out to the 60-minute mark. There's many a good sermon that's, you know, if he had capped it out a little earlier, it would have been better. Would have been better, and, and this guy just got excited, and he kept going. And I thought, oh, oh well, that, that's fine. There were some good points in there. But I remember when I got out, and I said, that guy was back, the single man. I said, how are you doing tonight? He said, yeah. He said, you know, I really enjoyed talking to you lads the other night. That was great, but I'm really not a long sermon in church kind of guy. So I might come along every couple of months. And that was the last I ever heard of him. That was the last I ever heard of him. Uh, but that, that man, I realized later on, he came for that thing which attended the program, which was the wife. But 30 minutes extra in a sermon, done and dusted. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And some people do that. They want the relationship that they see come from that. I know my wife was like that before she got saved. One thing that drew her towards Christianity was stable family life. And there are those that are attracted to that. Often the cults will offer that and appear to be able to give you that. And that's one of the devil's bargain. How about I give you a nice stable family in this life and your next life belongs to me? Um, but, but you can't, you, you need to be here for the main program, but there are people around us who that is an attendant thing to the program, that is their focus. Uh, and people did this to Jesus all the time. They would come to him about things that attended the main program, but they were not interested in his main program. Uh, and one of the companies said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Can you imagine the way that man would have been thinking? I mean, now, you know, Jesus, uh, you are for united families, are you not? Uh, And Jesus, I see how you hate the dodgy financial dealings of the Pharisees. I can see that that really fires you up and you want reconciliation, you want brotherly love. You sorted that Zacchaeus guy out like no one I've ever seen. I mean, he was ripping people off. He restored fourfold. So I know you've got it in it. Please, Jesus, you are the right man to talk to my brother because he is doing me out of my whole inheritance. He didn't even look after my dad. It was me. Lord, can you please, can you please? And Jesus is like, no, 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 not interested, not interested. Now, Jesus has restored many families. He has taken many people who are greedy and changed their lives so they are not. But he only does that through the main program, which is coming to him for salvation and then living a life of worship and faith. But if you're just coming to him to solve your financial dealings, he's not interested. But there are, people that, that, there are people that are doing that to the Lord even to today. Uh, if I go to church, maybe I'll get good advice in regards to my finances. Attendance to the program, but not there for the main program itself. I have a man at work, a, a friend, who was telling me, he said, I, he said, I have a lady I know from where, back in Canada where I am, 
and she, she messages me on Facebook all the time and says, I want you to pray for my husband. Please, he's got stage four cancer. Please, can you pray for my husband that he gets, that he gets completely healed? Uh, my friend said, he says, it's making me feel really awkward. He said, because I, I want her husband to be healed. Um, but he says, but I know there is zero, there's zero interest in the Lord uh, from, from the lady and from her husband. But, but what she desperately wants is that healing power. Now, God is the right person to go to. And, and those, you know, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. Um, but, but when he said to her, well, why don't, would you, why don't you go to church where you are there? Can I tell you more about Jesus? He said, it's sort of, yeah, 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 but you are going to pray, right? And he said, I'm worried if I pray and then the Lord doesn't heal him, that she's actually going to lash back and going to resent. There is something that attends the great uh, program of Jesus Christ, and healing is a part of that, and we have seen him heal miraculously here, but it is not the main program. It is not the main program. And the, the examples we could go through are legion. Uh, there are many you'll find in life. There are many you'll find throughout, throughout your time in church. There are those that are here for that main program. And there are those that are here for the things that attend. And so my question to you tonight, brethren, is uh, why are you here? Why are you here? What has drawn you to this place? Uh, now, you may, you may have been drawn by, by something that wasn't the main program. And then you discovered it and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, but why are you here tonight? Is it, is it the main program that truly grips you? Is it the Lord Jesus? Is it the salvation of souls? Or is it, is it another thing? Is it another thing? Jesus, can we go back to where you mentioned those 12 thrones uh, and the tribes of Israel? Can we get some details on who gets the plum tribes? Uh, and Jesus says, back, back to the main program. He said to them, except ye be converted and come, become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I love a lot of the values you're promoting in this Bible of yours. But I'm very curious why the monarchy over the liberal free market democracy, ignore that right-wing bigot, Lord, you did some great stuff with the poor. I saw it. But why didn't you reform the health care and the welfare system? Of, and the Lord says, no, 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 back to the main program. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Lord, Lord, did you not say in your word that it is not good for a man to be alone? And he that findeth a wife, Lord, well, he findeth a good thing. Uh, and it has been years now, Lord, years. And, I, and, I, and the Lord says, no, let, let's come back to the main program. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they that have none, for the fashion of this world passes away. We're only here for a short time. Back to the main program. Lord, we're fighting in my family over the inheritance. Lord, uh, Bob doesn't love you, but he, he doesn't want to die. So, Lord, uh, Lord, Lord, in your name, uh, did I not cast out many demons and do, and do many good things? Lord, I, I was there for some things that attended your program. Surely, surely that would... No. No, it is all about the main program. That's not what Jesus came for. Depart from me. I never knew you. The scripture says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And that man goes home justified that night. Lord, Lord, you see the way our nation is heading, and those that lead us, they cause us to err, and they destroy the way of our paths. Please, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. And the Lord would say to that prayer, one day the government will be upon my shoulders and the reign of the wicked shall cease. Uh, Lord, grant me patience. 
and let me use my singleness to labor in your harvest. Well, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. When Jesus explained to John how John was going to die, it says this in the Bible, it says, This spake he, Jesus, signifying by what death he, John, should glorify God. Lord, I I don't want to die now, but in my death as in my life, I want to bring you glory. And one day the Lord will say to that one, Welcome home, my good and faithful servant. It says in the Bible, Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Lord, have mercy on my brother. He, he wants all my dad's house. He wants all my dad's stuff. Uh, but Lord, use my testimony so that one day he inherits a place in your eternal kingdom. Lord, use me. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Lord, not my will, but thine be done. That is the great program of God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So as we go to prayer tonight, brethren, just ask the Lord to fix your heart upon his great program, the service and worship of Jesus Christ, who alone can save men from their sins. Let's pray and ask him to help us uh, to, to, to stay from being distracted by those other things, no matter how good they be, that attend the program. But let Christ be our focus. Uh, Let's pray and then we'll be done. We thank you, our Lord and our God, for your wonderful Son, the Lord Jesus. Lord, we're grateful for your manifold other blessings and all the good things that come with a life of faith and obedience and trust. Uh, But Lord, let them not draw our hearts away from you. Use us, Lord, to bring others to know you. Lord, let us be found faithful, worshipping you and serving you even to our last day. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.